Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome everybody back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I am so excited uh, to be able to share this amazing story with you guys. This is Hannah. Hannah is an incredible advocate. Um, she's been on the OCD stories before. She is a mom, um, like me, struggled uh, with postpartum OCD, and, and we're going to get to know her story in and out. But um, I know her as just an incredible advocate. She's just such a great spirit in my community and always the first person to jump on and kind of give really good encouragement that's always in alignment with what we talk about. Um, and I'm, I'm just like selfishly really eager to hear her story and learn more about her. Uh, so I'm so excited for you to be here, Hannah. Thank you so much. You're going to be able to share so much um, to those who are listening. So tell us about your story. Tell us about like way, way back, kind of how it all started. Yes. Well, thank you, Jenna, so much for having me. And as I just told you, you have been such an inspiration to me on my journey. Um, it was, yeah, so I'll go through all of my journey, but um, I just appreciated um, you, your story on the OCD stories was the first story I had ever listened to of anyone sharing their experience with OCD at all. Um and it was just so impactful to me to hear someone else say the thoughts that they were having and to know that they got better and that there was hope. So this is my purpose in sharing my experiences to give others hope. So, um, yeah, so I am so I'm married to a, an amazing husband. I have three little girls, so they are six, four and two. So, yes, life is chaos, <laughs> um, but good chaos. Um, I am a nurse practitioner. Um, right now, I am a stay-at-home mom, um, and then I do volunteer work um, with Postpartum Support International for uh, moms that have OCD, which is really, um, really fulfilling for me. So I would say I have always known that I have had a lot of anxiety and fears and a lot of perfectionism, even from like a very young age, but it really wasn't anything that was impacting my life in like a significantly negative way. Actually, in a lot of ways, it was kind of helpful to me because I was very perfectionistic about school and grades. So I always did really well in school. Um, so it was, I feel like overall in my life, my anxiety and perfectionism has been around pretty normal things. Um, so um, about 10 years ago, I realized my anxiety was probably a little bit, a little bit high and probably would benefit from talking to a therapist, talking to a psychiatrist. So for the last 10 years, I, so about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, um, started taking just a low dose of an SSRI um, and then therapy as needed, which was very helpful. I felt like everything was very well controlled. Um, so I really wasn't worried, too worried when I um, found out I was pregnant with our third, um, because I really felt like I, I honestly felt like I am a pro at this. I've had two babies before I've done the postpartum period. Um, I have so much support 
wonderful husband, family, like four grandparents in the neighborhood, babysitter, so much support. I, and I had my medication that I was taking, my therapist, if I needed, um, if I needed her. So I really wasn't too concerned. I felt pretty confident. Um, but things still like came crashing down on me when my third baby was about, I would say six months old. So I expected those first few months of having like three kids under four years old to be pretty stressful. But then I think I realized my anxiety was and my fears were becoming more and more as time went on. They weren't decreasing um, like they had with my other two um, kids. So yeah, by the time my um, youngest was about like six to nine months old, I realized that something was really wrong. Um, I remember feeling like I was losing my mind. Um, and I remember telling my husband that my mind was scaring me. And that was a really scary place to be because there's no escape. You can't escape your mind and your thoughts. Um, so really within a matter of a few weeks, I felt that my anxiety went from like a pretty normal fears um, that I was used to, to really extreme thoughts, um, which now I know were intrusive thoughts and OCD, but at the time I really didn't know what was happening to me. Um, it was the most terrifying experience of my life. And, um, I remember, um, kind of Googling and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and I read about OCD um, and that that would be diagnosed if you were having about, you know, like an hour or more a day of doing like the obsessions and or compulsions. And I felt like I would love to have an hour of relief, an hour of not having this. It was truly like 24 seven, um, because the thoughts were constantly during the day. And then even as I slept, they were nightmares about the thoughts, um, and then also just a lot of difficulty, a lot of nights I couldn't sleep more than like an hour um, because it was so bad. So then put all of that together with trying to raise three little kids. It was um, just really, really hard. Um, so my thoughts all revolved around harm. So my main thought was um, my main thoughts were around accidentally harming my kids. Um, so like with my baby, I had a big concern that I would um, maybe leave something in her crib or um, yeah, something in her crib that like she could choke on or that would strangle her and that she would die um, and that I would be found responsible um, for like neglecting to protect her. Um, and um, so I would check her crib over and over again. Um, I would look at the crib, make sure she was there and make sure there was nothing in the crib. Um, but then as soon as I would close the door to leave her room, I just felt like I needed to check again. I was like, I, what if I missed something? Um, is she really laying in her crib? Did I really lay her in her crib? And I didn't lay her on the floor. Um, even though I was looking at her in the crib. Um, so I really felt like I couldn't even trust what I was seeing. Um, and it just, it, it was just a never ending um, feeling of I need to check again and not feeling satisfied. Um, so that was the first thought that I remember really feeling like this is getting out of hand. Um, and then I was also terrified that I would leave my children in their car seats on a hot day, um, that they, they would die. Um, so I would check the car seats multiple times, um, be, you know, when I would leave, when I would go somewhere without them, if they were, um, you know, if I was going to work or they were with a babysitter or grandparent or something, I would go somewhere and then I would need to check the car seats, make sure they were not, I was not leaving them in the car seats. But then even though I would check and check again, that wasn't enough. So then I would take pictures of the car seats 
empty. And then I would have to look back at those um, to remind myself that they were not in the car. I had not left them in the car. Um, so yeah, it was just never ending. The thought would never be satisfied. Um, so, and then more and more thoughts of harm flowed in and just completely overwhelmed me. Um, so some really scary thoughts that I had were, um, did I possibly have like do something terrible in the past that I have no memory of because maybe it was a psychotic episode. I don't know. I've never had that before, but what if I did do something terrible in the past? Like I hurt someone or I killed someone or I touched someone inappropriately, but I have no memory of it. Um, so, um, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrifying. And then the point when I reached my breaking point, when I remember, like, I, I just, I can't live like this. I need help was when I had the thought that maybe I um, hit and killed someone while I was driving, but I didn't know that I had hit someone. So I drove off. Um, so I remember it was a very specific time that I, someone cut me off on their bike while I was driving. Um, so I did slam on the brakes, even though I remember looking at the person ride their bike off, I felt uncertain. Um, and so that uncertainty, I, I had never had that before. So I think I felt like if I have this feeling, it must be significant. So I need to figure this out. So I went to some pretty big extents to try to reassure myself that I had not hit someone. So I, even though I remember looking back and seeing the person, I um, Googled the intersection and the day and the time that I was there. I looked on Facebook. I thought about calling the police to just tell them, you know, I, someone kind of cut me off. I just wanted to let you know and just to seek reassurance in that way. I didn't call the police, but the level of anxiety was so high. It was like a panic level for, I would say, weeks after that, um, that I really felt like, I, you know, I, 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 maybe I did, and maybe the police are looking for me. So every knock on the door, I felt like a pit in my stomach and just so much anxiety even though I had all of, done all of these things to reassure me that should have pointed to, it's pretty unlikely that you hit someone if you've done all of these things to try to figure that out. But really looking back, it was not that I thought I hit someone. It was just, I could not tolerate the little bit of uncertainty, even if it was like 99% sure I didn't hit someone and 1% feeling like uncertain, I couldn't tolerate, I could not handle that uncertainty. Um, so I realized I needed help and I could not live like this. Um, so like I said, I did some Googling, I diagnosed myself with OCD. Um, I was fortunate to have a psychiatrist that I was already seeing um, for generalized anxiety disorder. So I was really fortunate to be able to um, get in and see him within less than two weeks. Um, and I, he was so kind and gave me um, so much time um, just to ask questions about OCD, medications, hormones, all of that. Um, he had thankfully um, treated many people with OCD before. So he was very familiar with it um, and also told me that the hit and run fear was a pretty common one that he hears in OCD. So um, I, I really didn't know that. I really thought I was the only one experiencing that. So, um, so I felt good that I had talked to him. We were increasing my medication. I felt like I had a plan with him. And then I, um, I, I had been seeing a therapist for um, probably almost a decade off and on, um, and she was really, really helpful in terms of like relationships, um, parenting stress, work stress, all of that, like very, very helpful. 
Um, so I told her that I had recently talked to my psychiatrist and that I was um, diagnosed with OCD and that I, you know, wanted to start working on that and get help for that. Um, and unfortunately, my experience um, telling her was really discouraging. Um, so I truly, I was pretty cautious. Um, I, I don't even know that I had told her any of my specific thoughts or how severe they were. Um, because I was really scared and I was ashamed and I, I, I didn't really know how to say those thoughts. Um, so I told her that I had OCD and um, she said that I could try to, uh, well, she said um, what helps some people is just um, pull a rubber band on your wrist um, and try to stop the thought and so I remember hearing her say that. And like I said, I hadn't said the severity of my thoughts and how like this was just terrible. When she said to pull a rubber band on my wrist, I felt like this is like putting a drop of water on like a blazing fire to try to put it out. But I said, I don't know that that's going to work, but I will try. I, di I didn't know. I didn't know that some therapists understood OCD well, and some didn't, I, I did not know that. Um, so I tried to pull the rubber band on my wrist. Of course, that did not work. That was not helpful and actually made it a lot worse because I felt like I am doing what my therapist who is trained um, in helping people, I'm doing what she said, and it's not making any difference. I'm feeling worse. I'm feeling extremely hopeless. Um, and so she also did mention to me that, and she definitely was not claiming to be an OCD therapist. Um, she even mentioned like there was someone else in her practice that um, kind of knew a little bit more about OCD. She said there is something called ERP, but that is something that will raise your anxiety. And I said, well, I definitely can't do that. I cannot raise my anxiety at all because I'm almost panicking and I have to raise three little kids. So um, thankfully, my sister is a therapist. She um, specializes in trauma and EMDR. Um, but thankfully, I felt really safe to tell her what was going on. And she recommended the best thing possible for me, and that was to see a therapist who specialized in OCD. Um, so she recommended a practice here in the Chicago area, the OCD and Anxiety Center in Oak Brook, Illinois. Um, and I was also really fortunate that they also had an opening really quickly. I was able to get in and see um, an OCD therapist within, um, within probably a couple or a few weeks of calling them. Um, so my first time talking with my OCD therapist was so hopeful and just, I felt so much relief. I felt like she understands this. She knows, like she is confident in the plan of how to, you know, treat this and how to support me. Um, I even, she understood my thoughts so well that I even asked her if she had OCD um, because she just had like such a deep understanding. Um, so she was just um, so amazing. She taught me so much about OCD, ERP, um, addressing my core fear, which was being separated from my kids and not being the mom that they needed me to be. Um, and she walked with me through the very, very tough journey of recovery, which took a lot longer than I expected. I really thought I was just going to see her for a few sessions and then I'd be kind of back to normal. So a year, we did a year, a little bit over a year of ERP and she was so patient, so encouraging. Um, and so I just feel very, very fortunate for the, um, the help and support that I got and that it was very quick. Um, so yeah, so doing ERP was um, 
definitely harder than I thought it would be. Um, so most, well, I should say, actually, many of my, so most of my thoughts, um, it didn't, the ERP actually did not take that long. Like the thought of my baby in the crib, I was able to really pretty much stop doing that within maybe a week or two, which was amazing. I, I would have never tried on my own because I didn't think that I was going to be able to. Um, so many of the thoughts actually, I was able to get through more quickly than I thought I would. But when it came to the hit and run fear, which was my biggest, um, that was extremely hard for me. Um, but I had seen, I had gained confidence from doing ERP on the things that I could um, get through, more, you know, more easily with less feelings of panic. Um, so I, I was able to see that I could trust ERP and trust this process. Um, so um, the driving was, I think it was really hard for me because um, I just, having three little kids, I didn't have a lot of time that I could go out and drive. So, um, so that's what I kept like really struggling with. I would try to set aside like an hour or a two hour chunk during the week that I could just go drive. And that was never happening because then someone would be sick or something. So, um, so I think that's why that just really was very, very hard for me to um, get past. So with the, um, with the hit and run fear, um, I was, um, well, first of all, I, I felt like anytime I had to drive anywhere, I felt like I was just, my anxiety level was very high, even just anticipating needing to drive. I am thankful that I always had to drive because I have three little kids who needed to go to school and doctor's appointments and everything. So I never stopped driving, which was very, very helpful for me. Um, but I was, so my compulsions around the driving, I would, um, anytime I drove anywhere, I was looking back in the rear view mirror a lot to make sure I hadn't hit anyone. I was also circling back sometimes. And then anywhere I would arrive, I would write down in the notes on my phone, like I drove from my home to preschool and I did not hit anyone. And then I would also review all of my notes in the evening, like after my kids had gone to bed. So it was so exhausting. Um, but my therapist was really helpful in helping me think outside of the box for doing those exposures um, and really just to help me like to do some baby steps in those. So we, um, so I would just try to drive a little bit more um, every, every week, um, just kind of add on, maybe instead of going right home, you're going to add like another few blocks or add another mile driving around um, and not doing any of your compulsions. Um, so that um, and um, I also incorporated, she um, said, you might enjoy driving more if you can do something enjoyable on your drives. I said, that sounds good. So I love iced coffee. So we, I went to like all of the Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, everywhere in like my town, the surrounding towns. Um, and that did make it a lot more enjoyable. And then when I had my kids in the car, I would get them treats too. Um, so they liked all the, they, of course, they didn't know why I was driving so much, but they liked it. Um, and then I definitely needed to do driving exposures without having my kids in the car because I felt like, you know, probably my oldest would be, she would probably say something if I hit someone. So I needed to just be alone. And so it did take a lot longer um, than I thought. Um, so as I said, I, I did ERP for probably about a year. Um, and I do think that was because like, my kids got sick often. And then I would be like, 
I can't, I can't do, I can't do these exposures that I wanted to, or like, I just feel like I can't get, I can't push on to the next stage. Like my life is so chaotic right now. I just need to stay right here. And then, you know, I'll be able to push um, further. So, and I also think that the fear of driving was so hard because I did feel like I was almost at like a panic level. And so it made me very scared to drive being at, you know, a panic level. Um, so, um, but I did push through. I am driving totally fine now. I don't write anything in my phone. I don't do anything. Do I still have the thoughts? Sometimes. And I just remind myself, I think that's probably OCD. Um, so I am not going to do any compulsions because I know what that has done to me before that was not good. And I can't do that. Um, so I'm able to accept the little bit of uncertainty, um, and, um, just keep moving forward, um, in my day and in my life. Um, so I was so thankful for my therapist. She was just like, so encouraging, so supportive, um, celebrated every little victory. Like if I had done like, you know, I drove a few blocks today and I didn't write anything down. It's like, I can't tell my friends, like I didn't write down that I thought I didn't, I didn't think I hit someone like that's kind of weird, <laughs> but I would tell her and she would like, just cheer me on. So it was just so, so great. Um, and I also have learned so much. So I, I just really, really appreciated my therapist. But then another level that was so helpful for me was learning about OCD. So that's where your master classes have just been so empowering. Um, so great to have. Like, I also love feeling like I'm not alone. So getting that community on those master classes, seeing like other people chiming in in the chats or, um, with questions. Um, it's just, um, really been very, um, inspirational to me, um, and very empowering. Um, one of the, uh, master classes that you had that I felt like was just, I was so thankful, um, for your timing on it was the, um, scary thoughts in motherhood class. Um, because at that point I was really in a good point in my recovery. So I wasn't prepared to have something that was kind of not really something that I had been too concerned about before come up and to feel like I was really triggered by that. But um, after the, you know, just tragic um, story of the mom who killed her kids, it really hit me because um, I felt like I have a lot of similarities with her. Like we're in the same career. I have three kids that are similar ages. Um, she looks like a wonderful mom. She looks like she loves her kids. Like, I don't understand how this can happen. And if this could happen to her, could this happen to me? Like, could I, could I have like a moment where I lose control. Um, and that was, so it was really triggering for me. So when an email popped up that you were having that class, um, and that you said, you realized, you know, moms would be triggered by this, that I felt so much relief, um, knowing that, um, you know, that I wasn't alone in being triggered. Um, and so that was a really powerful class. I just really appreciated that and having a safe, um, place to kind of think about all of that and process that, um, with, with others who were triggered, um, by that. So, um, I appreciate everything you do. I, so many of the things I say to myself <laughs> are from you. Like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're all like, they are so helpful. Is it? If any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint. The OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint is my no holds barred real talk three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery. Like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint because I was sick of the same old vanilla recycled mental health content 
on social media, on the internet, and I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good with or without a therapist. So the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. You will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the show notes and click the link below. Do you say... I say to myself, like, drop the line. What do you, what is your phrase? I'm not answering that. <laughs> like, I mean, I tell myself that multiple times a day. Like I'm not, I'm not answering that or I'm not going. Okay. There. Yes. Yes. So that is good. Like, just like, give it up. Like, I don't, I don't need to fight this fight. Well, um, and, and you mentioned something that I think is so important and it's like, what pulls me away from having to do those compulsions is like, you, you know, that you can't give in because you know where it leads you. Like, yes, I, I, I am always like probably to a fault, like very future oriented. Like I have a hard time being in the present and I don't even really spend that much time in the past, but almost to a fault, I'm always trying to do like whatever is going to benefit future Jenna. And I, I think that that really, that's always been how I am. And I think that that really helps me in my recovery because it's like, I know that what's helpful for future Jenna is not giving into this Mm -hmm. compulsion. Like I, I I can't do that. Like, I know that I know where this is going to go. And I, I, it's interesting that we kind of had like the same, like, that's one of my strategies and it just comes naturally, but like, I can't, I I know where this is going to go. I cannot possibly go there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, I've just had to remind myself exactly. And I think it took, it took a while, you know, in having OCD to understand that, like, I see how bad this can get for me thinking about possibly calling the police when no damage to my car. I checked Facebook. I Googled, I saw the person like where is the end to this am I going to be calling the police five times a day that's not a life I want to live it could have gotten that bad I think a lot of people consciously or not like they might justify continuing to do their compulsions because they think that that's like only as bad as it's going to get like no OCD will always raise the bar and so like I one of my big pivotal moments was being similar to you, I was always very worried that I would have left my son somewhere. Not that I would have necessarily left him in the car seat. It's just so weird mm-hmm. how like some things make sense. And some, like, I never worried about leaving him in the car seat, but leaving him in the parking lot. Yeah. Like where do our brains come yeah. up with these? But like, wh- what does it decide is worthwhile of a compulsion and what's not? But um, yeah, like I remember pulling, I mean, it started out really innocent and really like, you know, quick, right? Like all of these compulsions do just like a quick look in the rearview mirror. And then it was a quick look in the rearview mirror. And then I had to talk to him and then I had to talk to him and then I had to touch him. And that wasn't enough. I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I remember like, it was kind of becoming a safety hazard pulling over the side of the road with my son, holding him up. Like he was like, I was in the lion King, like while there are semi trucks driving by me 90 miles an hour, like, and I remember having that thought, like, what is next? Like, what Mm -hmm. is what is, what's going to be the next thing that I have to do in order to feel better. And I was like, I don't want to be there to see yeah. what that is like that. Right. It's already getting dangerous. Like I, I cannot possibly. And so that leads me to a question that I got from someone yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. that this person was kind of asking, right? Like, how do you, 
resist a ritual or like, how do you mess with OCD's pattern when you're so sure that something bad is going to happen? Like that moment in time where like you're walking away from your, from your daughter for the first time without checking her crib, where you are walking away from the car for the first time without checking the car seat, where you are going for a drive and you are not taking notes like that moment this person would ask. Mm -hmm. And and of course I have my own way, but I would love for, for you to give your answer too. like, how do you get yourself to do those hard things when inside you feel so sure that if you don't, something horrific is going to happen? Yes. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely feel that. And I feel like I could have asked that question, um, a couple of years ago. Um, so for me, I think it was just, there were a couple things. So I realized, like you said, how bad this could be. Um, I also realized that my biggest fear was being taken away from my children. But I realized in reality, the thing taking me away from my children was OCD. And that was not a what if that was happening because I was not really present with them. I was so caught up in all of these thoughts. So I realized I had to be able to accept that. And I think that's where learning about OCD and everything that you provide, um, like even just following your Facebook and Instagram, it was so empowering because I would see like, oh, you're saying people with OCD will have these feelings. Like it will feel uncomfortable. We will feel irresponsible. So I would kind of remind myself of those, like I'm feeling irresponsible or I'm feeling guilty because I have OCD. It's not because uh, my daughter is not in her crib. Right. Um, It's not indicative of anything. Right. Right. Just the way that, and I always bring it back to like any behavior change is going to be hard, right? Like any behavior change is going to pull you back in that opposite direction. Like smoking. I have been open. I hope my grandparents never listen to anything because I'm very open about the fact that I used to be a smoker. Like I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, probably 10 or 15 years ago. And heck yeah. Like that first time, that first day where I went with no cigarettes, like you better believe I wanted, I wanted them. Like there was everything going on in my mind, like trying to justify why I should. And you know, the mental craving to do a compulsion comes out in the form of like, it feels so risky. And what about this? And what about that? Well, you're responsible if you don't, it's the same thing, but are you committed to what you're committed to? Or are you not like you have to keep those long-term benefits in mind? Like, yeah, it probably would feel Mm -hmm. good in that moment to just go ahead and do the thing, but you have to be very intimately aware of the consequences of you doing your compulsions. And that is OCD continually raising that bar. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's where it, um, where ERP, you know, where you see, you can see progress and you can see like you're building on that. Like I was able to drive, you know, a couple blocks without doing a compulsion. So I'm going to be able to drive a mile without doing a compulsion. I'm going to be able, because I've seen that I've been able to do this. So, um, building up on it. But yeah, that first time I remember feeling very irresponsible when I had talked to my therapist that I was going to look in her crib one time, I could look at the baby monitor one time, and then I set it far away. So I couldn't see. And that felt bad. Um, But then everything was fine. Nothing happened. And then the next night was so much easier. And then I was so proud of myself. It gets Um, so much easier. And and I don't think that it if done correctly, I don't think that it takes as long as some people think like, right. I'll, right. I generally, for the most part, I usually have the experience of like, oh my gosh, like, why did I badger myself for yes. so freaking long? Why didn't I just resist that compulsion earlier? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's usually never as difficult as we think that it's going to be, or as high anxiety right. as we think that it's going to be. Yeah. And one of the, um, little tricks that you, say that was very helpful to me was um, delaying a compulsion. So a lot of times I didn't feel like, well, I'm going to not be able, I'm, you know, it seems like too much for me to not look at her baby monitor all night. So I'm going to say, 
for right now and for the next hour, I'm not going to look. And then if I think about it in an hour, I'm going to delay it again. So then when I would delay and delay, um, then it just didn't feel, it, it didn't feel as urgent. Um, so that was really helpful for me. And I think for me, the main thing, I mean, my main inspiration has been like my, my why is my children. I want to be a present mom with my children. I do not want OCD taking my life and taking me away from them is not acceptable for me. So I have to fight very, very hard for them. I don't know if I didn't have them. And if I were just doing it for myself, I think that would have been a lot harder. Um, I kept like a little, um, binder when I would go out and do my, um, driving exposures, I had like a little, um, spiral three by five index thing of cards, um, just with some like, um, pictures of my kids. So just reminders of, because I knew I was going to have hard moments where I wanted to write something down. <laughs> and so I would just grab for my little inspirational book instead. And it had pictures of my kids, um, just like encouraging quotes, um, some Bible verses that were important to me. So um, that is what I would look at instead of doing my compulsions. And the main things were those pictures of my kids, because I was doing this to be the best mom I could be for them. So um, well, and it's so interesting that, you know, you mentioned earlier, OCD convinced you that you had to do all these compulsions, like check your daughter's crib and check their car seats so that your core fear didn't come true yeah. so that you weren't separated from, from them and, and you weren't unable to be the mom that you wanted to be right. Like that was your core mm -hmm. fear. Um, but it's like, if you would have continued on that OCD path, that fear would have come true. Like that fear, yeah. you would have been separated from your family, maybe not physically, but certainly emotionally, right? Like yeah. we can't give our kids our 100% and also give OCD a hundred percent. Like we, right. Like, we can't do that. Like you cannot say that you would do anything for your kids, but continue to ritualize when you know that that's not good for them. Like you, it, it's, you can't like, yeah. Are you willing to do anything for your kids? Are you willing to resist your compulsions? And that was mm -hmm. really, really powerful. Um, yes. so yeah, it's just, it's a horrible salesman. It's a horrible, horrible salesman. Yeah, it is. So, um, yep. Yeah. I mean, but I, I wanted think... to ask you, um, like, other moms who are out there, right? Like, I'm so glad that you found my story. There's someone out there who is probably gonna come across this episode too, and, and be in the beginning of the trenches, like have no idea what the heck is going on, have no idea or no concept of what OCD is. Um, what would you tell any one of those moms or new parents in general? Like if some of this is kind of resonating with them, what would you tell them as far as next steps or where to start and, and maybe some things to consider? Um, yeah, great question. Um, so I think, I mean, the main thing that I want everyone to know is that OCD is very treatable. And that was one of the really inspiring things that you say too, is that it is, it can be really debilitating, but it's like one of the most treatable mental illnesses with ERP, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's so much hope. Um, but it can be hard to find um, the right support. So um, I would say um, finding a therapist who understands OCD is really, really important. Um, finding a, also for me, a community of support was very important, peer support, which um there are so many different support groups for OCD. Um, I'm part of one that is with Postpartum Support International. So just for women pregnant and postpartum. Um, but that was really helpful for me um, to be able to hear other women's stories. Um, and then I think it was also helpful for me that I presented it to my psychiatrist and to my therapist as OCD. Um, so I, I think you, you know, someone could say I am having thoughts that I've heard, you know, might be similar to what people have with OCD that kind of gives the name and the kind of a framework. Um, 
not that we are able to diagnose ourselves, but um, it can be often misdiagnosed, misunderstood. Um, so yeah, so I think just finding someone who does understand OCD is really important. Um, and just being, um, being open to receiving help. Um, yes. And just, um, just be, being able to be open with, um, with your provider. And I mean, I know I had a, a negative experience and a lot of people have also. So maybe if you feel like you don't feel comfortable with a provider, maybe if they don't seem like they understand, <laughs> maybe find someone else. Um, but it, it is really hard, but I would just say, um, seek out people, who, providers who understand, um, and don't be afraid to say that you think this might be, um, along the lines of OCD. And then they could talk to you further about that. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I, I like what you said too, about the power of just psychoeducation. I think so much of that shame and feeling like you're going crazy, like you're all alone, like there's something wrong with you can lift as soon as you hear a name for it, or as soon as you mm -hmm. like someone else in a podcast says the exact same thing that you're experiencing. Like, I mean, for me, I feel like that was 50% of the benefit of, of just like getting into the community was like having a name for something and having someone else who has that same exact experience, like no longer feeling like there was something wrong with me, but it's this experience that has a name, yeah. has someone else who has experienced it. And there's something about that. That's just so relieving and confirming and validating yeah. and, and makes me, makes me feel really optimistic. So yeah. what about some words of hope? I know that was really one thing that you wanted to do, like not just connect with moms and have like your part and their kind of like pathway to being connected to the next stage in their journey, but also offering words of hope and some word, words of wisdom. So, um, knowing everything that you've gone through, what would be some just words of hope, um, for any moms out there who are feeling like they're completely overwhelmed. They feel like they're all alone. Um, they just feel like maybe they don't even have a therapist or not sure where to turn to what would be your words of wisdom and just knowing that it can get better. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, absolutely. I understand that, um, for many people, this feels very, very hopeless when it starts, it feels extremely overwhelming. Um, and I have been there, but there is, um, I feel like the OCD community is really, really supportive, a really amazing community um, with so much like all of your classes, um, conferences with IOCDF. There is just so much support available. Um, and I really feel like even though this was the hardest experience of my life, um, coming through the journey, I feel like I have learned, um, and just kind of approach life at in a different way. And a lot of ways, a more beautiful way, because, um, I realized that, um, it's okay to not be in control of everything in my life and to, um, be more just to be present. And I, I am definitely more present with my kids than I've ever been able to be before. And I'm able to, I teach them about, um, you know, facing your fears and being brave. And I understand that. Um, and so I just want everyone to know that there is um, so much hope that OCD is very treatable with the right support um, and that you absolutely can get through this. Um, so yeah, I just, um, I, I am so thankful for all of the support that I've received on my journey. Um, and just am always looking for ways that I can, um, be providing support and just, um, just a voice of hope for, um, anyone going through OCD, especially the moms who are experiencing it postpartum. Um, but there is so much hope um, because I have lived it. I've lived through the hard and know that um, it can get so much better. Mm -hmm. 
For sure. So especially for moms, um, I would love for uh, you to just wrap up here. Like if there's any way that people can connect further with you or just through um, like postpartum support international, if you could just drop some resources here as we wrap up, that would be amazing. Yeah. So um, postpartum support international, like I said, we have um, a support group that meets over zoom um, every, um, every week. Um, so you can just go to postpartum.net is the website. Um, so anyone, um, so that is pregnant and, um, postpartum moms can join that group. And then they also have, um, postpartum support international has also a peer mentor program, um, that is free that you get matched up. So I had a peer mentor through them when I was going through my experience. It's just a mom. It's not a therapist. It's just someone who has been through it before, um, who you talk on the phone once a week and, um, just kind of support each other. Uh, just, um, you know, you get supported, um, by someone who has been through it. So, those resources, the support group, the peer mentor program, those are, um, you can find those on um, Postpartum Support International's website, as well as they have a directory for um, any therapists who are um, certified in perinatal mental health, so pregnancy and postpartum, um, who might also be, um, who might also specialize in OCD. So um, so they are a really, really great um wealth of information and education on their website, um, and just support, um, for the pregnant and postpartum moms. Amazing. Well, I know that so many moms are going to find this and love it and hopefully have the same experience that you had with me. That is just so amazing. Uh, that, you know, thank goodness for Google. Thank yeah. goodness for podcasts. Shout out I to know. Ralph at the OCD stories podcast for having me on. And then now yes. that had a trickle down effect to you. And then, like I said, it's going to, it's going to happen for another mom or another new parent out there. So thank you so much, Hannah, for being here. Such an inspiration. Um, I will make sure to link everything in the show notes. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.